And when we'll be done with this series, maybe you will be able to do the first part because you will be, have heard it so many times. Uh, so what would that part be? Well, that would be, where are we in the story? It's written, and he prophesies as this time, 520 to 515 before Jesus. The layout of the landscape is that the exiles have been coming back under the decree of the King Cyrus. They are coming back to the land. You can see that they are walking that line. They come back in different times. And they're there. And they come back to the purple area. Uh, they don't have much land. They are oppressed by many people. Uh, and as you can see here, Zerubbabel um, leads the people back. He's the big hope. He's going to be the one to bring back the kingdom of David. They start by building the altar in the temple and start bringing back the sacrificial system. Then they start constructing the temple, but that gets stopped by the enemies around them. And this is where we are in the story. That the exiles have come back. Some of them have been coming back. Not all of them. There was a call last week for people to return because some people, all they knew was the land they'd been living in all their lives. Because they were born there, they lived there, they had businesses, they had planted vineyards, they were even the prophet said, you're going to stay here a long time. But now the call was to come back. But it was to a depressed place, a city broken down, that was overrun by enemies, and so they lost heart after some time and stopped building the temple. In that, Haggai and and uh, Zechariah comes in to encourage the people to rebuild the temple. And so you can see over in the, in this part, Ezra and Nehemiah has also happened, is happening. This is what's happening. This is where we are. Um, this is the where the story is. God is reaching out and restoring his people. It's really striking me, and I've said it every sermon, it really strikes me that the caricature of God, that he's angry and mean, is so far from the truth. God, yes, he disciplines his people, but now he's calling back his people. They are underservants. They have only done everything to rebel, but he chooses them and calls them back. This is kind of like the outline, short outline. We've been going through the night visions, as they call them, and so today we will have the one that's called uh, the Heavenly Council there in three. Uh, in, it's all chapter three, but it's only ten verses. So that's what we are going to read today. So that's why we'll put on reading glasses. Let us read. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, 
the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord has, has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a branch plucked by, from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed in filthy garments, and the angel said to him, said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I'll clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. The angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge over my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor and come under his wine and his fig tree. So, if you remember, he's uh, Sikharai's having these visions at night, and so he's already had a few. One, two, one, two, three, three. So this is a fourth one. And what we see, or maybe I should actually explain who the guy is, because it's not the guy who who is Moses' uh, companion, and not Moses' companion, but it's not that Joshua. It's another Joshua. It's a Joshua who's mentioned in Ezra, who has returned with the exiles. As we see this scene, it is sh shown that he is standing before the angel of the Lord, and there's somebody standing on his right. It, all the language sounds like this is a court that now there's going to be uh, dealing with Joshua for what he has done and representing God's people, they will get their sentence. And the, the, the Satan, uh, which is a Hebrew term for adversary, uh, also in the law court, and in the Greek it becomes the devil, which means accuser. And so it shows this scene of this um, proceeding or what do you call it, um, court thing that seems to be going on. And so if you are a Jew now or if we're just looking to Joshua and looking at the 
looking at the sins of all the people, this, this does not seem like this will go well. The adversary, the prosecuting attorney, has a great case to get these people punished a lot. But this is where we see God intervenes. Oh, this is this person. It's like, who's all in the picture here? And this is also who's who and who's what. Sometimes it's a little bit different. How many angels are there? How many messengers are there? So this person says, Representative Yahweh himself in his vision, uh, since the angel of Yahweh can either be a representation of Yahweh or the embodiment of Yahweh himself on earth. So that would be what we call a Christophany or God actually coming to earth. Uh, it concludes no, It concludes either. So there are three or four figures in this scene. The angel of Yahweh, Satan, the priest, and those three plus Yahweh himself. But then there's also people around him as we see later on. So there's plenty of people in this court hearing case. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is that he does not have clean clothes. This is what your mom always said. This is why you have to change your underwear every day, or they might find out that you don't have clean clothes on. No, that is not what is meant here. Because it's not whether you're wearing your clothes two days in a row, or you should still do what your mom told you and change your clothes, socks and underwear and all those things. But it is not really the point here. And these clothes are also a little more dirty than if you have just worn them a few days. The, the clothes are so dirty that the word used is for filthy it uh, is a word that is associated with excrements. So he is so filthy that it is uh, really bad, filthy. So you would say, well, and the clothes representing, what do they represent? Well, they would represent all the things that the sat- Satan or the accuser could point to and say that this person or this this nation should be severely punished and there should be no mercy but I, I skipped what I was even just in two because uh, Satan doesn't even get to speak maybe the Satan has already made this huge indictment of all the bad things they've done But God says, no, you cannot speak. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. And he says, why? Well, he doesn't say why, but God says why. I'm not going to hear your case because I have chosen Jerusalem. God has chosen. And now... He decides whether he will listen to the accuser, which he doesn't want to. And he just says, be quiet. 
And he says, is this not the branch that I have taken out of the fire? So God has now plucked Jerusalem, the people, his people out of exile, and he's on the way to restoring them. The picture of this branch is taken up other places also by Amos. God is the one who chooses and who saves. So it's not because Joshua and the people have obeyed all the commandments. No, they're full of filth and excrements on their clothes. That's how dirty they are. And how could he even stand before the Lord in those clothes? If we know that the high priest could only enter in once a year after, after sacrificing a bull and lots of other things, and only on the Day of Atonement, then how can somebody use clothes full of excrements and dirty and smelly stand before God? God says, I chose. That's why. So again in four... Satan is rebuked and does not speak. But instead, there's a, a, there's a task that has to be done that maybe is not the nicest task. Somebody has to remove these disgusting clothes from him. And so it says to the angel, so the people standing by, remove these filthy clothes from him. And behold, I'll take away your iniquity from you and I'll clothe you with pure vestments. So God's asking the people around him to remove those dirty clothes and God says, I will give you new fancy party clothes. That's my kind of translation. It's an elaborate set of fancy clothes. Um, but that's not enough. He also says, I will take away your iniquity away from you. And I will close you. So God takes away the sins of the people and instead he closes them with new clothes and gives them his righteousness. Then in this odd, at least for me, odd part Zachariah speaks into this and says, give him something to wrap around his head to, a clean turban, along with the clean clothes. And then the angel of the Lord that was standing by, and the angel of the Lord, uh, give him the new clothes and the new wrap around his head. And then the angel starts speaking to um, Joshua. And so we see this, how God intervenes. He chooses, 
he takes away the sin, he makes them righteous, he listens to Zechariah, gives the clean turban, which is probably a symbol of the cleansing of the whole of the priesthood and a new leadership being set in. And then he assures Joshua, but he also um, charges him, not like a, um, not like a felony, um, but he, he asks him to do something. Oh, I had this from, is this from Messiah? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So this is one of those examples where, where we see what God does. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For he has closely with, clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks herself as a, like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride who adorns herself with jewels. So Isaiah is bursting out in praise that he was not righteous himself, but that God has clothed him with the garments of salvation and righteousness. So that's what God was doing and is doing to the priest and to the new leadership of the people. But then the charge comes, and the charge is going to be, uh, if you remember back in First uh, John, John the, the thing about walking is that is your lifestyle. This is how you do things. So you should walk in my, you should walk in my ways and keep my charge, but that means you have to do those things. You have to walk that way. You have to obey my rules. You have to keep the Torah. You have to do the, the Levitical uh, priesthood thing for the high priest. You have to be able to do those things and do them well. Then you will rule my house and have charge over my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. So if he does, does those things, he will have access to God. He will have access to the temple. He will actually rule over the temple and the temple courts. And the friends that are with him will be able to help him in this. That would seem like a pretty big task. So God, you're saying, I have to get the five books of Moses right and then I'll have access to you and I can be the intermediary for everyone else. That would seem like a slightly hard burden. <coughs> that is when I stand here, I am not your high priest. I'm not the way you get to God. Because most of us has no shoulders for that. That is why Joshua has promised something else. He's promised by God that he will send my servant, the branch. So Joshua is charged with keeping the temple and keeping to be the intermediary before God, but somebody else is going to come that has the capacity and the shoulders to actually be the solution long-term. I will send my servant the branch. So the branch is developed also in the prophets. 
Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice for the nations. He will cry aloud or lift up his voice. He will not cry out or lift up his voice or make his make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a faint burning of the wick will he not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So Isaiah is also prophesying about this branch that will come. The one who is delighted in, whose soul delights in, he will bring justice. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. And Jeremiah adds, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In this day, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell in security. And this is a name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So that's not Joshua. And it's not the king either. Because they don't feel any of those things. So there's great news. The branch is coming. Who's the branch? Oh, I just, that was just a good. Yeah. So Matthew Henry writes this about who the branch is and about our lives as well. He says, whatever trials we pass through, whatever service we perform, a whole dependence must rest on Christ, the branch of righteousness. He is God's servant employed in his work, obedient to his will, devoted to his honor and glory. He is the branch from which all of our fruit must be gathered. So the branch points forward to Jesus. Then we come to this part, where there's going to be a stone and there's going to be some eyes, and then we start getting slightly confused. So then who, what's the stone and what's the eyes? But then in 10, we are, we are encouraged, because when all those things happen, there will be a return to peace and prosperity as the prophets had said righteousness will rule there will be salvation and there will be peace and God, with God and one another and people will invite one another each to his house alright so there's so many images the sticks is from the fire dirty clothes clean clothes branch God is the same God of the Old Testament and New Testament. He shows his compassion on his people. And he quiets Satan, the accuser, and says, is this not the ones that I have chosen? I've taken him out of the fire. I have chosen. I have put my compassion on the returned exiles. 
or else they would have been destroyed. They were plucked out of the fire, out of the hands of the enemy to keep them from from uh, from accusations. I, I can't remember. I was trying to, I read a biography of someone um, and his mom would continue to say this verse. You are a branch plucked from the fire. I don't know. I don't think modern psychology was would allow that now. But the thing is that the kid and his family, their house burned down and she pulled him out of the fire. And to show <coughs> how his life was really God's, this mom was trying to say that to him. You are a branch plucked from the fire. This shows how God intervenes in, in the Israelites. And he, we can say he remembers, he chooses them and brings them out of slavery and takes away their sins. He cleanses them from their iniquity. I was reminded as I was studying about what Paul says in Romans 8, 33. He says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Because we actually do stand guilty just like everybody else. If it was God and Satan, Satan would have too many things to just bring up. Well, you thought evil about that person. You brought, took worship yourself instead of God. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. The list can be very long. But you trusted in your righteous deeds. But they are just as filthy as the other clothes you wear. But the encouragement for them and for us is that God chooses and he justifies. Not us, but him. And if God is for us, who can be against us? What about you? Are you still in the fire? Or did you get plucked out? Call out for Jesus for salvation. Like we said, and I said, we count on Jesus. We count on the branch to have right standing with God. We can't have right standing. We can't clean ourselves. We need God to command the new clothes to be given. We can't take the old ones off and put the new clothes on. God has to do it. He says to Joshua, I've taken your iniquity away from you. But not only that, God clothed him with new, pure vestments, <coughs> fancy clothes. I was reading this, I was like, does that ring a bell of one of the stories that Jesus told about a person who ended up in a pigsty, could have been full of poop, but he came to himself and says, I'm not worthy to be called my father's son, but I will go back and be his um, servant. I'm not worthy of being his son. But the father seeing the son runs, which is very undignified, runs to the son, gives him new clothes and restores him to himself. He gives him the, clo the fancy clothes, the ring. 
He restores him to himself. The one that was so lost, the father who is this God, shows that he is willing to take back the person who knows that they have done wrong and restores them to sonship. Now, I think we miss out on that parable a lot of times because that's kind of how we feel in the beginning of our Christian life. Like, yes, this is how it was. But if when we've been a Christian for some time, we might turn into the other brother who trusts in his own deeds and says to his father, I have never broken your commandments. I will not come and celebrate, showing that he does not know his father at all. He doesn't trust in the father. He trusts in himself. The, guy, the father pleads with him to come and celebrate that his lost younger brother now has come back, but he refuses and trusts in his own filthy rags, his own righteousness. Now, the Jews wouldn't know that story, but in exile, I say, said this. Oh, I already read that. <laughs> That's the one we read there. That he would rejoice. God has given salvation and a robe of righteousness. As God is taking the sins of their fathers away, and that God will make them clean in his eyes. Zechariah adds to give him like the thing to put on the the head. It's a symbol of the cleansing of the priesthood. The new the new leadership of Israel has been cleansed. They are chosen by God. But then we get to the conditional part. Now you have to do these things to be able um, to be able to be my people. You have to walk in my ways, keep my charge. And you will be able to come into the temple on the Day of Atonement. You will have access to me. You will minister access for the other people. But the branch is introduced to take those things on his shoulders because I'm a sorry I think I have one oh sorry I thought I had a slide so the branch the branch is the one that gets freedom, the one that was the hope, the one that was going to give salvation and righteousness. How do we get to Christ the Messiah? That's the hope that those prophecies said. That it will be God that chooses, that it will be God that brings justice to the nations. And it will, Jeremiah said it will bring salvation and righteousness. That's where their hope comes from. Now we know that hope a little more because we've seen Jesus. Then we come to the stone and the the stone and the eyes. So seven eyes on a stone. 
What is the stone? Well, some of the references would be that, and I was thinking was, was what Psalm 1, 18, 22 says, and Isaiah 20, 60, it is the Messiah that is to come. The psalm, psalmist said that the stone would be rejected. A precious cornerstone that will bring salvation and righteousness to the nations. So that's the great promise of a salvation that there will be someone, the branch, the cornerstone, will come and fulfill the law. <coughs> oh, this was one. This was the one I was looking for. So uh, even if, if um, what's his name? Um, Joshua would do this he would have one day a year to go there and on that one day there's a symbol of all of Israel's sins being taken away on the day of atonement but the beauty of that is or not the beauty but that there was a shadow of the time where what was would come that the Messiah once for all would offer a sacrifice and then the day of atonement would not be every year because in that day the Lord would take away all the sins the day of atonement was a shadow pointing forward to death Paul and Peter, when they talk about um, the cornerstone, they're not in doubt who the cornerstone is. They say there's no other, there's no salvation in any other name than Jesus. That the church is only built on Jesus, the cornerstone. We all stand in Jesus, or we don't stand at all. We have any foundation? It's only through Jesus that this grace and this choosing can be come. They would agree that Jesus is the only way. The stone, the branch. Okay, but then you are uh, attentive and you ask, but what about the eyes? Uh, oh, I'll go back. That was going to be the conclusion. Okay, so what about the eyes? Uh, on a not-so-spectacular note, the eyes could mean facets. So let's say you have... A, a, a stone with seven sides there's all facets on it it's a little bo like maybe boring interpretation seven is also in the bible the the number of perfection we can read in revelation god has seven spirits so the seven eyes could be that god completely knows everything all the time God will also make an inscription and remove the guilt and sin in one day. That was the thing 
of Day of Atonement and why explaining what I just did before, that it's shadowing a further atonement that it wouldn't have to be every year. The result for the people and for encouragement for Zachariah and the people building is that this is going to lead to prosperity, just like he has been told before. This is going to be a return of peace, safety, and everyone would invite everyone to their house. They won't be depressed and enslaving one another. He's asking them to rebuild this temple because there will be great hope, not that he will make it all good, but the branch will come and save and make just and take away the sins of the land in one day and peace will rule. That is the last one. I know it's very long and maybe small. No, that's fine size up there. God chooses. God takes away sin. God makes righteous. And he and he adopts into <coughs> his his family. God chooses and saves. We can't make ourselves clean, but God can. We can't be perfect in righteousness, but Jesus is. The branch, the cornerstone. What joy and grace we can find that we don't have to conquer up that before we come to God, but like the younger son, we can experience that we are not enough so we can go to God and in Jesus get forgiven, and get new clothes. Jesus takes away sin. He's the one that does it. He can take off the clothes that are dirty. He can provide us with the clean clothes and give us this new festive garments, which we have to have because the ones that don't have will be kicked out. We have to have this festive garment on. But that's given by the Father. So we need also not to have hard hearts and trust in our own righteous deeds because then we just, we're, we're just trusting in our old dirty clothes. No, we need to trust in the one who can give us the clean clothes and help us to stand righteous. It was the grace of the Father. It was the grace of God that he chose. How deep and how wonderful is God, the Holy One, the Lord of him that he would even want to save us and make us clean and righteous and dwell with his people. What joy it is that we can have the perfect high priest, not Joshua, but the one who was called Jesus. He's the one who makes all this possible for us to come to God and the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to hear the call of God. And Paul writes this, which is very, very um, 
encouraging also. And he explains the way of salvation. He praises God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the world, foundation of the world, that we should be holy, <coughs> blameless. In love he predestined us for adoptions to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in heaven and on earth. This is Paul in like seven verses explaining the whole story of redemption, how God chooses, blesses, redeems through Jesus Christ, takes away our sin and uh, by the blood of Jesus, gives us forgiveness, and brings us into his family. All because of what? Because he chose some people think this is a is a, a dangerous and uh, doctrine or like something, but we see it clearly. God chose. God chose His people. God chooses now. Why is that good news? But that, that's good news when we live in this world and we think everything is difficult. Every time we fail, we look to Jesus. He's the one that made it possible for us. Why are we saved? Because God chose. <coughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are and what you do. I think you, you're not a caricature of who you are. You are who you are. You're the same God you've always been. You're abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. You choose. You save. You redeem. You adopt into your family. Lord, it can be so overwhelming for us to just believe that you're the one that chooses. You're the one that makes clean. You're the one that gives righteousness. You're the one that adopts into your family. Well, I pray for all of us we would just we would understand this better day by day. I pray by the Holy Spirit you would ignite and open up our hearts and minds to see this every day that it will change all about who, how, how well we live for you, how we with joy can do the things you ask us to do, and how we will long to praise Jesus for 
how he intervenes, how he takes away sin, and how he makes a way for us and shows us who you are again. May we receive all of our praise. May you encourage each one of us to not trust in our own works, but trust in who you are and rely on your choosing, on your righteousness, and on your strength and on your power. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Questions and comments, angry outbursts, I'm here to, uh, to receive that. If you need prayer, I can also pray with you or for you. Also, just ask somebody else. But maybe if you would give a round of applause for Uyuta, first time leading, I thought, yes. So thank you for... Thank you for, uh, thank you for serving. Remember to pray for the people that couldn't make it today. Um, and let's... Uh, Let's hear from Romans. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't